Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. We've talked about the prayer of faith and so forth, and we'll go back to the, to the Gospel of John. And uh, let's begin reading with the 13th chapter of the 16th, 13th verse of the 16th chapter. John 16, 13. How be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, therefore said I, he will take of mine and show it unto you. All things that the Father has are mine. He'll take what's mine and the Spirit will take what's mine and show it to you. (laughs) Why are you looking so sad? He's the spirit of truth, and that sounds too good to be true, but it is the truth. Jesus also said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free, not set you free. It will make you free. Because the book has the authority to make you free. <clears throat> young man by the name of Jimmy Hester, he was, <clears throat> had bad heart. And my mother had a prayer group. This is after she got delivered of fear in that CFO camp. I mean, she was dangerous. And then she just turned into a, a different person. That spirit of fear was gone. And they brought him in there. And, uh, One of of Jimmy's friends brought him in there and she said uh, something to Jimmy and he said, well, my my grandfather died of a bad heart. My dad died of a bad heart and I have a bad heart now. Mm -hmm. She said, tell me the truth about that. He said, well, lady, uh, my grandfather died of a bad heart And my dad bought a bad heart and I have a bad heart now. She said, I said, tell me the truth about that. Well, he got a little. And uh, he said, well, lady, and before he could get it out. Now, Jimmy told me this. He said, before she could get it out, he said, she boxed my ears. Said, she slapped me upside the head. She said, I know she saw death on me. And she said, Isaiah 53, and that, that's the truth about that. Come on. Jerry Savelle and I helped at his going home service. 
He was in his 80s. Praise God. A new heart. That's the truth about that. And the truth made him free. The truth made him free. So when you put those two things together, all that the Father has belongs to Jesus. Well, of course it does. But the, when the Spirit of God comes, he will take the things that are his and show them unto us. Now that brings us to the prayer of wisdom. So let's go to the book of James. James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into different temptations, tests, and trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives, gives to, let him ask of God to give to all men liberally and upbraideth not and it shall be given him, but let him ask in faith nothing wavering for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Well, what is a double-minded man? A man of two minds. Well, Peter said, Master, don't you care that we perish? In one word, he's master. Now, don't you care? He's afraid. The double-minded man. So when you read in this little book, you read all the way through this, and uh, do not err my 16th verse, and I err my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. He was referring to referring to a sundial. The Romans invented that. Now, he's not about to change. Amen? Amen. Well, we're right here. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in all of his deed. Now, <clears throat> the Weymouth translation. Now, that is, was out of print, so it is now uh, a KCM publication. So, and I'll tell you later how, why I like it so. <clears throat> Judged by the law of liberty for to give judgment without mercy. Now look here. What is the prophet, my brethren, though a man say he shall have faith and has not work? In Weymouth, what do they profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and has not corresponding action? Isn't that good? Corresponding action. Well, that, that gets rid of the word work. And it's good. So, in number eight, 
if you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbors thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors for whosoever is to keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. So read the whole thing, all right? Oh, it's just pregnant with revelation. Chapter five, go to now you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rust of them shall be a witness against you and you shall eat your flesh at war fire. You have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept by fraud, crieth and cries of them have reaped into the ear of the Lord of Saboath. Not Sabbath. Saboath. The Lord of the angelic forces, the Lord of hosts. That's interesting. Because that's in the book of Malachi concerning tithing, the Lord of hosts. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Uh, <clears throat> and the prayer of faith shall save faith in what? The name of the Lord. Well, I had, I had to go back and look at the, the different places where they did television to, to see how far back it went. Right here, I had a little white spot about the size of a grain of rice. But there, and um, I picked that a little bit and it got sore and festered up. <clears throat> so uh, I called my pastor. So Pastor George and Terry came over. John and Kelly were on the, on the phone together, family. Gloria and her good friend and uh, Bibi, well, uh, you know, her name is Brenda June, but everybody calls her Bibi because her brother did. She called him boy. I thought she was saying Boyd, but she called him boy and he called her baby. <laughs> anyway, she was there. And so <clears throat> pastor came out and I held it out there like that. He read that scripture in his Bible, took his oil bottle, did this. And when he touched that, before I could think, I went, oh, that did it, glory to God. So, I told Dr. Weeder here, I said, we need to go have this thing checked out. Went over, went in and took it in. Dr. Williams first, 
the dermatologist. And just a magnificent man. He's, he was very dark, very dark and had a deep voice. And I like it when somebody got a deep voice. <laughs> I said, my name's Kenneth Copeland. He said, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> he said, my folks have been partners with you for I don't know how long. <laughs> so I got, a, I got a partner guy. <laughs> so he checked it out. He said, yeah, it's malignant. So, well, so what? So he said, send me over to another guy. So we went in there, David and I went in there. They came in and said, well, now Mr. Copeland, you probably have to wait, how, how long did they say? 30 minutes to two hours? Because doctor is going to uh, open that up and he's gonna shave and, and keep doing that until there are no malignant cells. So, well, I don't know what, 30 or 40 minutes, I guess she came out and she said, Mr. Copeland, you are a very lucky man. There are no more malignant cells. I, no, I'm not lucky, I'm blessed. Right. He sewed it up. You can't, you can no. hardly see it. But I got a testimony. Out of the book. So, Gloria's grandmother, mom, Church Christ, sit right on the front row, center point Church Christ. And the pastor told me, he said, Copeland, he said, Mrs. Niece sits on that front row and she'll stop me. And she'll say, Pastor, you didn't read that right. He said, I have to read every word exactly like it's written. So she gets on me. So she came to me with that verse of scripture. She said, Kenneth, you believe that? I said, well, yes, ma'am. She said, no, you're just going to our elders. They don't believe anything. Said, Gloria, you believe that? She said, yeah, mom, I believe it. I got my oil bottle. Prayed over that. And I, I laid her, her back was giving her a problem. But I, I, I anointed her with oil. Spoke to her back. She said, oh, 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 oh. Oh. She said, that really worked. I said, yes, ma'am. I said, now, Mom, listen, you're going to testify and don't you go off and say some doctor had anything to do with it. It was the great physician. She said, absolutely. She said, I'm not about to give anybody else. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Sure it worked. Amen. Yes, So, anyway, <laughs> I have no idea how many over the years. Listen, if he have committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. Yeah. Now, a baby Christian let's see. 
Well, I got some free time. I didn't start it. <laughs> A Christian that, that really doesn't know needs to feel that all. And needs to hear that his sins have been forgiven. We've already read that. If you see a brother sin, which is sin not unto death, ask and I'll on account of you. I was invited into a room one one night and went back into the back room and it was very dark. And this man said, this man has gangrene in his legs and so forth. So I stood there at the end of the bed and, uh, and so I just picked up the cover of the bed and touched his toe. And he went, Rawr! I said, you devil, you in the name of Jesus. And cast that devil out of him. He got all right. We were in Jamaica and the, the Lord said, I want you to go up into the mountains and preach to the people there. And, uh, and so I went there and did that. Sunday morning at the uh, uh, Open Bible Church, I knew the pastor there and he said, uh, Brother Copeland, come on up here. So I went up there. He said, take the morning service. Well, I was already pretty tired. I said, uh, okay. You want me to, what time you want to get them off for lunch? He said, don't give them off at all if you don't want to. <laughs> well, this, the, they were celebrating their independence from Great Britain. It was Independence Day. And so I started preaching. <laughs> We got done. And, and I just got this cup on. And about the third hour, I lost my voice. So I gave him all for lunch. And I went back in there. And I said, Lord, if I was to ask my voice if it's healed, it'd say no. Oh, help me, Jesus. So I went back out there and I took the microphone. I said, if I were to ask my voice if it is healed, it would say no. If I were to ask you if I'm healed, you would say no. But I didn't ask you. And I didn't ask me. I asked the word of God and it says, by his stripes you were healed. Amen. Oh, glory to God. About the third hour, there was a crutch went right straight up like that. You remember the woman that was bowed over, could no wise lift herself up? There was one, she came, was in a sheet. I found out later is her son and her grandson. But she brought her shoes with her. She was on her side there. And I noticed, I was looking at her, I was standing up on the platform. She just got up and put her shoes on and stood there and lifted her hand. Well, I was supposed to preach a new hope that night. 
So I did. Well, it was up in the mountains and uh, no electricity. That's where the Lord wanted me to go. And in some cases, I was the first light-skinned man some of those people had seen. And they had a lantern hanging right in front of me where I could see to read, but I, I couldn't see the people. And so I just started talking about the power and authority invested in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. And just preached on it. And there was a man walked up. They had, they had made a pulpit. They just took a stump and nailed a board on it where I could put my Bible and this kerosene lantern here where I could read. And there was a man walked up. I couldn't see for that light. He walked up there and he's a big man. So I stepped out in front of that. All of a sudden I could see. And this was not a brush arbor. It was a banana leaf arbor. Because they were having meetings in the daytime. No big banana leaves, leaves are big. I stepped out there and this big man, he said, lay hands on me and our name. I said, okay, in the name, in the name. In the name, in the name, in the name, in the name. I don't know how many. Finally, I don't know, a lot, a lot of people. And uh, I got in the pastor's car and this woman came over. Brother Copeland, I was blind. Now I say, thank you. <laughs> I said, you know her. Yeah, she in my church. I said, was she blind? No, nah, she's stole cold blind, don't see nothing. I said, well, I thought she'd be more thrilled. Oh, Brother Coburn, we trained by the British. She go home, she go crazy. <laughs> it's quite an experience. Anyway, there's two mountains that came down like this and the small church was right here at the bottom and uh, the man that was, he was the grandfather and he pastored it and Deacon Lewis was there and he had a military style flashlight and uh, and he, he was a prosperous man I, I said Deacon Lewis uh, tell me about yourself. He said, well, I quit my job. He said, I had a good job in Kingston. Why? Well, he said, we've been fasting a week, uh, a day a week for a year that somebody would come teach us faith. Well, I was so honored that God chose me. Amen. Well, I would say that we were between those two mountains and the home uh, where there was, it's quite a large home. And it was up a flight of stairs that was about as high as the top of that large painting right there from here and, and small steps. So I grabbed Deacon Lewis's flashlight. I stepped on this one and my second step I took was up there. 
I have no, no remembrance at all. I, I just suddenly was there. I noticed when I got there, I couldn't eat. <laughs> so I walked up there and this girl, I thought she was about 12 years old. Come to find out she was 18 and she had a rheumatic heart. And they were telling her, sweetie, you could just die any minute. You could just die any time, just die any time. Well, the mother screamed, my baby's dead, my baby's dead, my God, my baby's dead. I walked in there and uh, the, her dad, she was slumped over, she was studying. He picked her up like this and he turned around and faced me and she was hanging here like this. Well, when I took hold of her hand, she was already cool. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I speak life to you, walk. Yeah. And I was, I was speaking a whole lot louder than I am now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Now, Oral Roberts laid his hands on me and said the anointing that was in and on him was transferred to me. And I shouted at the top of my lungs, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom I serve, whose I am and who I serve, I said, walk, and I hit her in the stomach. And she went, Papa. And we have pictures. Yeah, there she is. Sweet girl. She went on, finished her education, became a school teacher. Well, we were coming one night and uh, the pastor said, Brother Copeland, could we stop by and pray for a, a woman uh, before, before we get to church? I said, okay, what's the matter with her? She crazy. <laughs> I said, what? She's mad. Well, there's no electricity there. So we went, and it was night. And we're walking through this place. And I saw a number of them that looked like might be the one. <laughs> Man, we, but we got all the way back to the back room and here was, I didn't know anything about her. She was just on an old ticking mattress. There's just, just an old striped cotton mattress, no bedclothes on it or anything. And she was haunched up there and she had, a, she had a little stick about that long and a bandana with a bunch of stuff in it. So we walked up there and this man, a former Marine by the name of Earl, he was helping me and the pastor so we walked up there and I would just walked up right in front of her. And, uh, and Earl was here and the pastor was here. She looked at me and she looked over there at, at uh, Earl. She said, you must be 
Brother Weber. Well, he was a radio preacher. Well. She looked over there at the pastor. You must be Oral Roberts. I know who you are. And you're afraid of anything that isn't flesh and blood. I said, I fear no man nor beast. I'm a servant of the Most High God. Look at me. I said, you look at me. The Lord has sent me to tell you that he loves you. I said, baby, look at me. I said, the Lord loves you, and he sent me to tell you. I saw the glaze come off of her eyes. And she looked up and smiled. <laughs> well, we had to leave. Uh-huh. I just got an appointment somewhere else. Right. He said, Brother Copeland, he said there were some people came through preaching salvation and said she worked in Kingston, young woman. And uh, so she wanted to go to church. She accepted Jesus as Lord. And she wanted to look good. So she, she had her hair trimmed and fixed and, and bought a new dress. And she walked up to the door and they said, you have cut your hair. Oh, no. Jesus doesn't love any woman that cuts oh, her hair. What is that on your fingers? And they took fingernail polish removers. You're not coming in this church looking like that. Oh. Well, the Lord sent me to tell her he loved her. Yeah. That's all she needed to hear. <laughs> That's the way this works. That's the way it works. But see what happened? My, in my spirit, I knew all things. I was just listening because I did some praying because I didn't know what I was going to get up to so I just started praying in the spirit. Then when little Lindsay, Kelly's, Rachel was first and then Lindsay and Christmas morning, she was 11 years old. Oh my, 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 my. They went up. We were in Colorado and uh, and I don't know, I don't even remember why they, uh, the, the airplane wasn't there, so I couldn't fly it back. I, they were doing maintenance or something. I don't know what it was. And called and said, you better get here quick. Said, Lindsay's been diagnosed with Nicerian meningitis. And there's already been some, she's at Cook's Children's Hospital, and there's already been some, some children that have died. So I got on the airplane. They came to pick me up. So I just got in there and started praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. That stuff is terribly uh, contagious. I walked up there. I was standing here. I said, Lindsay, in the name of Jesus, 
I speak to the anointing on the inside of you to put this disease out and off of you. She said, Papa, I'm healed in the name of Jesus. Eleven. Now she's the wife of a fine medical doctor. I married them. And, and he was, let's see, Alex, I think, he, I think he was born in Mexico City. But anyway, they have a little girl now named Colette. And she just turned three. What a Christmas present. That's the way this works. Well, then we, we drove in from Tulsa to preach there. And I came up in my mother's kitchen there. And I was tired. Drove that old beat-up car. And um, phone rang. Now, there were two sisters. One of them named Eileen Riggins. And the other one, Annie Johnson. And they were, they were, they were kin to my grandmother on the Owens side. And so Aubrey, Pastor George's daughter, had named her oldest girl, Eileen, after her. Anyway. I said, Mother, fix me some scrambled eggs. I'm hungry. So she did. And she said, Killer Valley's about to die. We got to hurry. Mother, I'm sweaty. I'm going to go back and I'm going to change my shirt. Well, hurry up. <laughs> and I walked back there, and this is when I heard the Lord say, Don't you ever let the devil see you sweat. Mm -hmm. yeah. He said, You slow down. I came back in there. She said, Kenneth, will you hurry up? I said, no. I said, you drive and don't get in a hurry. Yeah. I'm praying the spirit all the way over there. They got in there and Lois, her daughter, was at the planning the funeral. I said, Lois, put the phone down. But Kenneth, I said, Lois, they put her in there to wait for the doctor to come by and sign the death certificate. I said, Lois, put the phone, put, please put the phone down. She, right. So the Lord told me what to do with her. And so, and of course my mother just, I mean, that's her aunt. And uh, I walked over there and my mother said, and she was always thin because just a sweet Southern Baptist saint of God. <laughs> and mother said, see that right there? It's just choking the life out of her. I walked over there. And I touched her right there on the breastbone. I said, ain't Eileen open your eyes? She said, Kenneth, what are you doing here? I said, I came here to pray for you. Oh, she said, I appreciate that. <laughs> Lois said, So she left the death room and went home in her own home. So 
A little while later, two years later, the Lord said to my mother, you better go check on Alice. So she went over there. And she was in the living room in her easy chair. And mother said, Ali, you think it's about time to go? Oh, yeah, she said. He's been right there waiting on me. She said, I told him, you just need to wait a little while. Yeah, she said, I'm ready. She said, come on, I'll tuck you in. And so she tucked her in. And mother said, Ali, just, just lay your head back and let it go. She said, thank you, Vanetta. She began to speak in tongues on the way out. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, my grandmother, I was with my, my grandfather, and he began to laugh. Oh, he was laughing. He just got, he threw his head back. He's working on some machinery in the, in the barn. I said, Papa, what are you laughing about? He said, I'm laughing about how close you came to being a Mexican. I said, what, are, what on earth are you talking He said, well, now he was illiterate. His grandfather, R.P. Owens, in the Civil War. And... Uh, and there was, a, there was a, a, a captain hung him by his thumbs in the barn trying, he was from the Cumberland Valley of Tennessee, to tell him, and he just cussed him just as loud as he could and they got the nickname Cussing Owens. So he didn't know any better. And he'd get at least a bit mad. He'd just fly off the handle and just grab up something. Well, my grandfather, he'd just, he just pick up a a bull whip or anything just go to swinging at him. So he, he said, I told Ma, he said, I said, he said, I'm going to have to get out of here. Because he says, if you tell me that way again, I'm liable to kill him and I don't want his blood on my hand. So he left. And uh, illiterate, left when he's nine years old. And this magnificent man, he'd walk out there in that field, take his hat off, and pray over that crop. Work. He never would go to church. And uh, I'm, anyway, I, th I think he's, he's so embarrassed because he was illiterate. They finally found a letter that he wrote to God. My grandmother's name was Nancy Pearl Winchester. My mother's name's Vanetta Pearl Copeland. He called her Pearl. And he wrote a letter to God. It looked like about a third grader wrote it. God, please take care of Pearl. And help me do that. Please. He knew he was about to go. So God took care of Pearl. And she spoke in tongues a little bit and then swore up and down she didn't. <laughs> and she, I'm not going to be married to an Indian. There's no way I'm married to an Indian. I'm not about to be married to an Indian. 
<laughs> they went to, I don't know, someplace to check on something. And, and uh, I think it's Santa Fe, New Mexico. And some of his kinfolk saw him. They sat down and crossed legs in the sidewalk and powwowed. My grandmother was, she hid out. <laughs> I'm never going to be married to an Indian. I said, Mom, Mimo, you are. I am not. <laughs> yeah, she said, I guess. <laughs> All of these things have to do yeah. with a family that loves God. My mother's oldest brother was killed in World War II. He nicknamed everybody. Called me Kenny Mac. <laughs> and my uncle, Floyd Russell Owens, wouldn't wear anything but blue overalls. And uh, I started doing this because it's so friendly to television. But that isn't the only reason. There are only three colors, red, white, and blue. Right. <laughs> I have a red car and a blue suit. Amen. Glorious car is blue. My, my, our airplanes are red, white, and blue. <laughs> Except for one. We found it up and we, we needed an intermediate airplane, which is a, a Pilatus PC-12. We went up there to look at it. You know what the tail number on that thing was? November 9-1 Kilo Charlie. I said, that's my airplane. They're built in Switzerland. I said, does the owner want to keep that tail number? No. Well, come to find out it had been on a citation years ago and he was in a hurry to get it. So they just stuck that on there. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I, I, I want to close with this. He will take what's mine. All that the Father has is mine. And we're going to close with his prayer. 17th chapter of John. This prayer I decided I was learning at ORU the power of agreement. I said, I'm going to, Father, I was in that little old room. I'm going to agree with this. This is Jesus praying. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son, that thy son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, and I've finished the work which you've given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, 
with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested your name unto the men which you gave me out of this world. Thou were, and you gave them to me, and they've kept your word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever you've given me is of thee. For I have given unto them the words which you gave me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them, I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me, for they are thine. And all that are mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Listen to that. I kept them. Now, now we think about, well, you know, he's praying in the name. No. He said, I have kept them in your name. I've kept them in it. I have the, the, the proverb says, uh, God's name is a great tower and climb up above it. He kept them inside the name. They weren't born again men yet. That didn't happen until the 20th chapter. Thou hast given me in the world, even so I've also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Well, that's directly or indirectly, that's all of us. That they may be one, and thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me, and, and the glory which you have given me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, and they may be made perfect in me, in one, and that the world may know thou sent me and hast loved them as you loved me. I got hung up right there. I said, come on, you mean to tell me God loves me as much as he does Jesus? How could that be? My knees were shaking. I said I was gonna do this. And I said, I said you mean God loves me as much as he does Jesus? And I kept saying it and I kept saying it and kept saying it until my spirit got a hold of it. And I thought, well, of course he does. He gave him to get me and you and all the rest of us on that cross. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me with me where I am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I know, know thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me. I have declared unto them your name and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. Whew. Study that prayer and agree with it. Yes. Study it. Study it verse by verse. And agree with it. 
and stand on it. Fight the good fight of faith with it. He is our master and our savior. He's our baptizer in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And it's because of him. And showing him all that he has and all that the Father has. And Clyde Thomas McGee knew that. And because of that, we have satellites. And he synchronized the first one mathematically. He synchronized it with the earth so it would track the earth. Mr. Satellite. Wonder how many other things we enjoy today came like that. Almost everything. Thomas Edison. Henry Ford. Eddie Rickenbacker. He was the ace of aces in World War I. And he bought an old wooden racetrack and where they did old motorcycle races and stuff and put, made, put brick in it. And today they call it the Brickyard, the Indianapolis Speedway. <laughs> Captain Eddie. His dad told him, son, machines. The Lord's given us machines. You hook your star to the machines. He started Eastern Airlines. Then they crashed and he was in the hospital and he heard on the radio that he had died. <laughs> he called that nurse in there and he said, will you tell them I'm not about to die? God's not going to let me die. I'm not done. Amen. Well, he saved his pennies the way Rockefeller saved his dimes. Never would spend a penny. And he just gave away tens of thousands, millions of dollars worth of pennies to people. And then it went on up to higher than that. Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. You can still get his autobiography. World War II, he went to work for the government for a dollar a year. And he was, he was going around the different places and, and um, he was in a B-17 going across the ocean and they ran out of fuel, no satellites. <laughs> and this thing, this thing just sunk. Well, it took a long time, it was out of gas. It finally went down, they got the, the little life rafts out and everything, and he'd read his New Testament. And he'd read his New Testament, and he kept telling them, God will take care of us. God will take care of us. And it was a seagull landed on his head. And he just reached up there and got that seagull. And there were fish hooks on that raft, but no bait. 
So they ate what they could of the seagull and used the rest of him for bait and caught fish until they were finally found in the open ocean. That's Captain Eddie Rickenbacker, a man of God. Father, we thank you. We praise you for these services. We're so grateful to you. In Jesus' sweet name, amen. And, give me your hand. I would like to introduce to you the Reverend Nancy Dufresne. I had the honor and the privilege of ordaining her before the service tonight. separating her to the gospel ministry. Now, you have to read all that the Apostle Paul said about women, that they ought to keep silent in the churches. But then he said a woman shouldn't prophesy with her head uncovered. He's talking about decent and in order. He was preaching to Gentiles that didn't know anything and the women would just scream out, what does he mean by that? Because <laughs> the women sat on one side of the church and the men on the other. They were illiterate. What does he mean by that? So he said, talk to your husband at home. I asked her tonight. I said, your husband agree with this? She said, well, absolutely. <laughs> Ed Dufresne, a very, very close friend of mine. I knew him before she did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a guy. He would, he was at a full gospel businessman's meeting one time. He came by and he got a tape recorder and some of our tapes. So he would have prayer meetings and so forth. And then he, and he'd, I would preach. And he'd say, now, do you have any questions about that? And, it, and the Lord said, leave the tape recorder at home. He said, oh, no. And Ed would, would kind of get his words going backwards sometimes. And he said, I, he didn't call me because I was eloquent. Whatever that is. He called me because I was available. He left the tape recorder at home. Oh, what a prophet of God. Mm. Thank you, Pastor Nancy, Thank you. for honoring me to be part of these meetings. Good night, everybody. <laughs>